0: When given bad news, most women of my station can afford to slump onto their divans, their china cups slipping from their fingers to the carpet, their hair falling prettily from its pins, their fourteen starched petticoats compacting with a plush crunch. I am not one of them. As a lady whose husband is so busy painting portraits of wealthy patrons— most of whom happen to be women, that he forgets that he has a family, I have more in common with the girls who troll the muddy streets of Corlears Hook, looking to part sailors from their dollars, than I do with the ladies of my class, in spite of my appearance. This thought bolted into my mind, like a horse stung by a wasp that afternoon at the office of the evening mirror, I was in the midst of listening to a joke about two backward Hoosiers being told by the editor, Mr. George Pope Morris. I knew that the news Mr. Morris was obviously putting off giving me must not be good. Still, I laughed delightedly at his infantile joke, even while choking on the miasma created by his excess of perfumed hair pomade, the open glue pot sitting upon his desk, and the parrot cage to my left, which was in dire need of changing. I hoped to soften him, just as a hooker softens potential customers by lifting a corner of her skirt. I struck when Mr. Morris was still chuckling from his own joke— "'Showing teeth brushed with particular care "'before I had to set off to confront him "'after a silence of twenty-two days, "'I said, "'About the poem I sent you in January, "'I trailed off, "'widening my eyes with hopefulness, "'my equivalent of petticoat lifting. "'If I was to become independent, "'I needed the income. "'No sailor considering a pair of ankles "'looked more wary than Mr. George Pope Morris "'did at that moment.' Although few sailors managed to achieve the success he had at toilet, particularly with his hair, never before had such a lofty loaf of curls arisen from a human head without the aid of padding. It was as if he had used his top hat for a mold. Whether by design or accident, one large curl had escaped the mass and now dangled upon his forehead like a gelatinous fishhook. Might you have misplaced it? I asked lightly. Maybe he would appreciate putting the blame on his partner. Or perhaps Mr. Willis has it. His gaze slid down to my bosom, registered the disappointment of seeing only Cloak, then snapped back to my face. I'm sorry, Mrs. Osgood. To be quite frank, it is not what we are looking for. I'm certain that your female readership would enjoy my allusions to love in my descriptions of flowers. Mr. Rufus Griswold has been so kind to include some of my poems in his recent collection. Perhaps you've heard of it? I know Griswold's collection. Everyone does. He's made sure of it. How that little bully got to be such an authority on poetry, I'll never know. Threats of death? Mr. Morris laughed then waggled his finger at me, Mrs. Osgood. Quickly, before I lost him, my own book published by Mr. Harper, The Poetry of Flowers and the Flowers of Poetry, sold quite well. When was that? he asked distractedly. Two years ago. Actually, it was four. As I thought, flowers are not what is selling of late. What everyone is interested in these days... Our shivery tales, stories of the macabre. Like Mr. Poe's bird poem? He nodded, causing the great greased curl to bounce. As a matter of fact, yes, our sales soared when we brought out the raven at the end of January. Same thing happened when we reprinted it last week. I suspect we could reprint it ten times, and it wouldn't be enough. Readers have gone raven mad. I see. I didn't see. Yes, I'd read the poem. Everyone in New York had, since it had first been published the previous month. Even the German man who sold newspapers in the village knew of it, just this morning. When I asked him if he had the current issue of The Mirror, he'd said with an accent and a grin, Nevermore.